Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Uh, you know him from Fox Sports. He's also the Chicago Bulls play-by-play man. He is Adam Amin on the Technicom Hotline. Adam, uh, welcome to the show. What is the statute of limitations on new job? Congratulations. Can we still say new job because you've 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 the seat's warm now? I mean, I guess it's up to you guys. Whatever you determine is uh, is uh, appropriate for this particular scenario, I'm good with. If you, if you think I'm an idiot for leaving, if you don't care, if, you, if you're excited, whatever, man, it's all go with me. No, you're definitely uh, not an idiot. You are one of the best in the biz. With the playoffs here uh, getting underway, there's been a lot of talk about the concerns for the Lakers, the matchup with the Blazers. How real are the Lakers' concerns heading into the, the playoffs? Uh, here, I, I mean, they're definitely real. Okay, concerns for the Lakers are real, but here's here, here here's what they are. My fears for, for Los Angeles, and I don't think they particularly play out in a long series with Portland in this fashion, but I do think Portland can win a game or two if these things get executed properly. You have to run at LeBron, and you have to get the ball out of his hands early. If you can somehow get him into foul trouble, which is always a plan against LeBron, and it, only ha- it, it happens very rarely where he gets into legitimate first-half foul trouble. Like, he just doesn't DQ very – I don't know. I can't remember the last time he DQ'd out of a game. And he's just not the type of guy who gets into foul trouble often. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's always in the game plan, but how much are you really going to be able to do? I think getting the ball out of his hands is key, and you have to run multiple bodies at him. The one thing that concerns me, if you're an opponent of the Lakers, is I don't know if you can contain their, front, their, their starting front line. Uh, I don't know if you can contain Davis and LeBron. If you can, to do it, you got to wear them down. That means sending multiple bodies. You're going to have to have depth, which Portland doesn't have a ton of in its front court, and not quality depth in its front court. If Yusuf Nurkic, who's so important to this team, starts getting into foul trouble, it's bad. It's going to be bad. Because then Davis, even a guy like Dwight Howard, who comes in off the bench, they can eat. So there's, there, there are concerns for the Lakers, mostly surrounding LeBron and Davis and their minutes and efficiency, and there are ways to affect that, but I don't know if you can collectively affect that for a long period of time. Now, when you get into the second round, when you get into the conference finals, and you've got a Clippers team that can run 
multiple guys at you, three or four guys at you. You have. I remember when they talked about Shaq, they would always say you had to have 18 fouls minimum. You had to have 18 fouls minimum to be able to distribute on Shaq. And that means that that means you have the the free will to be aggressive defensively against him because, all right, if you pick up two, I'm going to get the next guy in and we're going to run another body at him. I don't think there are a lot of teams that have that depth, but the Clippers do, and that's what would concern me for the Lakers once they get a little deeper into the playoffs. Adam, I don't know about you, but Saturday's game was awesome. I mean, seeing a play-in game, yeah. which we'd never seen before in the NBA, you know, Portland and Lillard doing what he's always done, uh, it seems like, over the course of the last couple of weeks, willing the Blazers to the win. I know the NBA is thinking about making this a permanent thing. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I don't love it personally. I, I, I don't love it personally because I feel like the format was fine beforehand. I love that they made this happen for this particular circumstance, and I think it was executed beautifully. I think it was absolutely the right way to do it. Uh, you know, you feel for the Phoenix Suns, but the situation was what it was. You had to go undefeated, and you need some help. And they didn't get any help, so be it. You didn't make the playoffs. That's part of, that's part of the season. That's part of life. But I, I loved how exciting they made this. If, I mean, if I, had a, if I had my druthers, we would have had normal circumstances. I like the current format of the NBA playoffs in general. Uh, I, I, I love how this was executed, but I wouldn't want to go there full-time. But if, some, if next year the NBA says 8-9 are going to play a single-slash-double elimination, so be it, man. I'm fine with it. I have no issue with it. It's not my preference, that's all, because I like the current format. I like battling for 82 games for a right to get to the playoffs. And the eighth seed in the West, especially in a deep conference like the West, that's, that almost seems kind of unfair because you're battling. You're legitimately battling for the eighth seed. And I don't think it's right that it comes down to just those two games. But if they said that that was going to be the format, I'd embrace it and say, all right, let's, let's make that happen. And obviously it opens things up, especially for a team like the Bulls, who would be like around a 9 or 10 come the end of the season. Maybe they, they have a chance to get in. Maybe a team like Washington can get in. Maybe a team um, you know, like, the, like the Hornets can get in. So there, there are certainly pros to it. It's not my preference, but I, I like how the NBA executed it. You almost dropped a Bobcats there, and honestly, at this I point... Close. I came close. At this you know, why, here's why. Can I tell you why, though? Can I yes. tell you why? Yes. So earlier today, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm excited because it's day one of the NBA playoffs, and the, all those remember, those... remember when Pitbull and Kesha had that song, Timber? Couldn't forget it. Like, like... Six, seven years ago, they had Pitbull and Kesha, mostly Pitbull, use that song as, like, the official playoffs music for ESPN. And I remember how hilarious that was. And I spent most of the morning, admittedly, because I forgot how catchy the song was, listening to Timber on repeat. And in that preview that I saw, the the opening game was Miami, Mm -hmm. first round, two-time defending champion, 2014, facing the at the time the Bobcats in the first game of the NBA playoffs that year. And that was stuck in my head because I could not stop watching it and listening to Timber. That is my great shame for this day. In fairness, Adam, uh, at, at this point, nobody's going to correct you on the Hornets versus Bobcats thing and still, until they start <laughs> to get into the playoffs, until we have a reason to care. I'm curious about your thoughts on Houston. Is this the beginning of maybe a championship run for Houston? Do they have the ponies? Or is this maybe closer to the beginning of the end of the Harden-Mori uh, uh, Coach D era? I feel like it's closer to the end, and it's uh, it's unfortunate because – 
you know, I'm, I, I was talking about this last week when we were calling some of the seeding games. I feel I feel bad for Mike D'Antoni. You know, like I, I've I've been around Mike a lot the last few years, calling a lot of Rockets games, a lot of playoff games, and I I really respect his ability to have the pulse of his team. He seems to have such a good pulse of his guys. He manages egos really well. He's had some of the great players that that you know have to be leaders, that have to be on the ball. That's Chris Chris Paul. Uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden this year. He's had guys like that for a while. Even going back to his Phoenix Suns days, you know, dealing with Amari Stoudemire and having Steve Nash and these really talented teams that were snake bitten. You know, he was one game. He was a, a Chris Paul hamstring away from coaching in the NBA Finals. I thought a couple of years ago, and, and it's unfortunate. But at this point, I would understand if you know the, the the organization feels like it wants to go in a different direction. There's been new ownership in the last couple of years, so. I would understand if they went in a different direction. And Mike D'Antoni, I think, would have a job because I think there are a lot of lot of teams that could use a coach like a Mike D'Antoni that has an understanding of how to manage egos and manage personnel. Adam, in the East, Milwaukee's the prohibitive favorite, and they were the best team in the East all year long until the bubble, and they haven't quite hit their stride, just like the Lakers haven't in the Western Conference. But the two teams behind Milwaukee – I can't wait to watch face off in the second round in that Toronto and Boston potential series. Who do you like more? Who has the better chance of knocking off Milwaukee and surprising us and making the NBA finals? All right, let's, uh, let's go there. Then I, I think of the team of those two that have a better shot at Mo- at Milwaukee. I think it's Boston. And it's for the same reason we talk about the, the Lakers. You have to have bodies that can defend and run at Giannis and make it hard on him. And as good as Toronto is defensively as a unit, I don't think they have the perimeter uh, like horses to deal with everything that Boston has, nor do I feel like they have the perimeter horses to deal with everything Milwaukee has. Now, Toronto-Boston could be a classic series. That might be maybe the best second-round series we see. If, if it's all chalk, that might be the best second-round series. And I, I think that could easily go seven. I had one of those Boston-Toronto games earlier this year. And, you know, you, you, when you match up, a Siakam with a Tatum when you have Jalen Brown being watched by, uh, you know, I don't know if you throw Ananobi, uh, maybe Norman Powell yeah. on the bench on him. You got Kemba Walker, you know, you're, you're probably going to throw your best defender and your best guard and probably Fred Van Vliet at that point. You know, how do you deal with the scoring ability of Boston how do you deal with the versatility of Siakam? I love the concept of that series. Now, those two teams, I think Boston's got a better shot because you can throw Brown on Giannis. You can throw Tatum on Giannis for a little bit, and you can throw maybe Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart might be the best defender, uh, probably is the best defender on that team. He's one of the most relentless defenders in the NBA. I think that's the guy you probably key in on Giannis at that point. So with all that said, I feel like Boston's got a legitimate shot, maybe not to upset Milwaukee, but I think they take them deep. And I think they have a much better opportunity than Toronto. Last year, the big key for Toronto was having somebody like Kawhi that could run at Giannis. Kawhi works really hard at the defensive end, and then you give him some help with a little bit of shade. I think you can do something similar for the Boston Celtics this year with Giannis. All right, Adam. That we're going to go from the from the East in that situation to the West. Lakers or Clippers? I think Clippers. Uh, I think the Clippers are a better team overall. Uh, I think their depth, as we discussed, is is Probably second to none. I mean, they're the they're one of the two or three teams in the NBA that can legitimately go five for five, like switch out your entire first five and put in a like go line change. 
and not lose a significant level of production. They have a great, maybe the best second unit in the NBA. They're bringing in two guys that are both six-man-of-the-year candidates and Harrell and Williams. Uh, Reggie Jackson is a great pickup. That was one of the best pickups you could have uh, right around February is when he, he showed up, and he was very good right before the suspension of the season. Uh, you got Morris, another guy that you can run at LeBron, uh, who's, who's a really hard-nosed guy. He's not going to back down against anybody. Uh, I, I think their lineup is as good as it comes. And obviously we're not even talking about the other three guys in the starting lineup. Beverly, Lo, uh, Leonard, George, three of the tougher defenders in the NBA. They're all playing on the perimeter. And that's what scares me. If you're the Lakers, I'd be scared about that Clippers team. We've seen how they've gone up against one another. I think they split the season series to a piece. And it was difficult on LeBron on in multiple facets because of guys like Beverly and Kawhi. So uh, I think the, the Clippers have the depth. That doesn't mean LeBron can't will a team to the NBA Finals, man. We've seen it year in and year out. He did it. Uh, Nick, you remember this. He did it for years in Cleveland with bad teams and good teams. He dragged teams to the NBA Finals and then pushed them over the edge to get there, too. And he can do that again with the Lakers. He's that good. But in terms of depth, in terms of team ability, in terms of versatility, in terms of production off the bench, I think the Clippers are a superior team. When George Hill is the th- the second best player on your team, not named you, and you get him to the finals, that's actually one of the steps for, for being sainted in the Catholic Church, or so I've heard. <laughs> uh, Adam Amin on the Technicom George, guest George. line here on Wilson and Parcell. You can follow him at Adam Amin. All-around great guy. Adam, again, man, congrats on the new gig with the Bulls. Uh, you more than deserve it. We appreciate it, buddy. Anytime, pal. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you.